Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of um, the Football Chronicles. Um, I hope you're all doing well. Um, this is Edgar Ramirez and I'm here with Sebas, Sebastian Garcia. Hi Sebas. Hi Edgar, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Doing great. Enjoying here a little bit of good weather. <laughs> oh, nice. You know, it's been really nice for us too, actually, here in Chicago. It's not been that hot. It's not been that cold, although it's summer, so it, hopefully it shouldn't be cold. Uh, so it's been pretty mild and nice. Nice, nice. Enjoy it while you have it because, you know, winters. <laughs> I don't want yeah. to ruin it for you. But, you know, the winters in Chicago are not, like, really enjoyable, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, they, they tend to be horrible and long. Well, the last one definitely was. I yeah. feel like I just woke up one day and it like stopped being winter and it was nice. But that took forever. Like I hibernated for what six months or so. So anyway, yep, we're here, uh, ready to do this. So today we're gonna discuss a few things, and I think we wanted to. Uh, and of course, there, there's no football. Well, there's some football, some friendlies. Um, some friendly, some, some leagues are, are are starting right now. You know, like the the Colombian league, the South American and stuff, too. the Peruvian yeah. league. But yeah. mo, mo, besides that, I think Europe is still on hold. Most players yep. are on vacation, so there are a lot of transfers going on, and yeah, but nothing. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. And but I think we wanted to start off with the wrong foot <laughs> yeah. to to say it something. Um, and I'm gonna make the same intro made in the episode in Spanish, which is when we were discussing earlier today, or, or when we were discussing the editorial and what we were gonna talk about in the podcast. Um, we kind of together landed on this, you know, separate corruption issues going on in Colombia and in Peru, kind of in tandem, like at the same time. Um, and I was surprised. I mean, because Peru has been doing so well. Uh, at least the federation has for so long, and that it just seemed like it was always going to go up and get better, but apparently it's not. So I don't know if you want to start um, by telling us what happened. Yeah, well, it's a it's very unfortunate because the for those listeners who don't know the Colombian uh, federation, the Colombian league that much. Well, Colombia these years, I think from 2012 from until now this has been like the prime time of the Colombian soccer ever in terms of success and in terms of uh, resources and sponsorships and everything like this is the time in which the Colombian league has been receiving the most money has had the most advertisers and everybody's like following uh, the Colombian national team and the league and also considering Colombia is getting better economically, people are willing to spend way more money than before, which Mm -hmm. is a huge change. But it's sad because apparently many of the the heads of the Colombian Soccer Federation are involved in a corruption problem. It's related to some tickets, uh, like the sale of tickets uh, for the Colombian uh, qualifiers to the World Cup. Apparently, they hire a company to sell the tickets, but the company, instead of selling the tickets, they were, uh, you know, like t- putting the tickets into a second kind of like market to sell the tickets, uh, to resell the tickets for a higher price. And it was just unfortunate because many people, you know, like don't have these resources to 
pay 300 400 and 500 dollars for a ticket they were doing this in order to get more money under the table to fill their own pockets right to fill their own pockets and many heads of the federation were involved in this which is very unfortunate and it's sad because you know like barranquilla was chosen to be the the house of the colombian federation and the colombian team Mostly because, you know, Barranquillian people, if you know about the geography in Colombia, people in the Caribbean are really happy that's a Colombian Caribbean, <laughs> you know? So every time the Colombian team play there, is they chose that because it was a warm weather, you know, it's really hot in Barranquilla. So it would be an advantage for Colombian playing, for example, other teams like Uruguay, Chile, and Argentina who come from you know, like a le like a very like mild weather compared we to Barranquilla. We all we all know that we yeah. suffer from that too. Everyone yeah. knows that. Yeah. So it's for example like in Bolivia, they always choose the altitude for that reason. Well, this was our advantage, right? But the other advantage in some way was because the people from Barranquilla are very happy, so they went to the stadium and they brought like the, you know, like the instruments and they played music and it was super loud and it was like a very good environment. And lately those things were not seen and it was because of course people were not able to buy tickets and and hmm. um, and it was uh, really sad because you know like there, there was a lot of like a, a really elaborated plan to, to get more money and money that was not uh, seen like not invested in soccer and it was the colombian government who's checking these illegal uh, movements because is uh, that's in Colombian law is considered to be uh, I don't know like I don't know how do you translate that but like uh, you know like making like false promotions and you know like, uh, like false advertisement false advertisement that's what I was looking for and you know like uh, treating your clients in a really bad way so that Colombian government like pursues them is pursuing them on that matter but so it's it's really sad to see that and. Um, so, I don't know, Edgar, do you want to talk a little bit about what happened in Peru? Well, I am, yeah, definitely. I'm, it's very interesting how, you know, that, that happened in Colombia, and it sucks because, you know, we definitely need to see people in the stadium, people that want to cheer, especially. Um, so what, you know, what, what happened in Peru was um, very complex. Um, obviously, I'm not gonna deep dive into into everything that that happened because it has roots in you know the national politics. Um, but there was a a corruption scandal that started off with judges in in, in Peru. Um, so national national judges from the from the Peruvian yes. government. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Um, and they were recorded asking for bribes essentially um to to different people and you know they, there's recordings of politicians and there's this massive again massive scandal um that is being unveiled to the public by the press um so anyway part of that scandal um was a recording of this judge speaking and well, talking to the head of the peruvian uh, soccer federation and you know asking for tickets to the world cup asking for favors um that's great that's just disgusting really. yeah <laughs> exactly and and part of what people need to know is that this person the 
the, the, the Soccer Federation president is a, you know, a person that has had some issues, some legal issues in the past. I mean, he is a businessman. He's had, you know, has was a head of big, big, a big company in Peru. A anyway, um, so, you know, people connect the two, right? This guy is asking for favors because this other person has had some legal issues and has had some legal issues and has some legal issues. So, um, because when, when that um, came to light, um, a lot of the commissions, the independent professional commissions that that support the Peruvian Soccer Federation quit, uh, of, as, as you might expect. They don't want to be um, related to, to something that has, you know, that the, the is jointed uh, to corruption. Um, and yeah, and it, you know, now we're negotiating with Gareca, trying to see if he can join us and again help the team qualify to the next World Cup. But, you know, it definitely seems like the building is on fire and, you know, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. It's sad because, you know, like if you think about it, if they really thought of soccer as a business, you know, because it is a business, it's a private business, you know, exactly. it's a franchise, technically. If you're thinking of, if you're thinking about it as a franchise, as a business, you should like know that you should make a quality product as well. And you know, in Colo in South America, we have a really high quality product, which are like the soccer players. Right. And mostly, sadly, they come from, they, they are made themselves. They don't, there is not like an institution or they don't have the resources to, you know, to be trained. Like it happens in Europe, like they have everything, infrastructure, academies, coaches, yep. everything in our countries are basically by themselves so it's really sad that instead of using the money to invest in stadiums in you know like fields for them to train in little kids to get into soccer you know we are seeing money under the table for the wrong reason right yep yeah it's very unfortunate yep. it's, it's it always happened like i remember in argentina it happened the same thing uh, you know, like uh, when Cristina Kirchner was in power, she had talks with the Argentinian Federation of Soccer, the AFA. Same thing, they were, they, she claimed that soccer was a mandatory right for Argentinians in some way, so it was broadcasted in every national channel. Of course, there was some money underneath, and you know, like, but if you think about it, I think that that doesn't happen in any country. Imagine like watching soccer mm -hmm. in your national in NPR or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, in PBS. I mean, and, that, and that would and that wouldn't be so bad if it was, you know, a legal right. If it wasn't like a government trying to impose a populist r reform. agenda, right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, it it definitely hit home. Um, I guess for people that don't know, I'll just briefly mention that the. Per the world of soccer was shaken when Joseph Blatter was, you know, I guess when, when FIFA kind of crumbled and a lot of heads of, of football um, were prosecuted and are being prosecuted um, by the United States in, in an event we now call FIFA Gate. Um, and that's why there is a new president of FIFA, Gianni uh, Infantino, and supposedly there's changes. Supposedly. Right, right, there's changes yeah. that happen in FIFA. I think some changes has, yeah, I think like they're trying to clean it up, but it, it, it was really corrupt. And he, FIFA has been corrupt for generations. Like before yeah. it was Joao Belanche, who was like the padrino <laughs> of the FIFA. He was a, a huge a Brazilian guy who was extremely corrupt in FIFA. Then he moved into Joseph Blatter and Michel Platini in the UEFA and Grondona 
in the Comeol, you know, and those gen- those politicians, those were kind of like politicians in a way. Right. They were they were football leaders or soccer leaders. But they were. To, to me, I feel like the Europeans lately in the in the last several decades have understood, or un- understood actually that, sure, you're gonna have this corrupt officer, this corrupt officers and people. But you also need to have strong institutions. I think that, for example, just not to go so far, the French Soccer Federation is a very strong institution. They have the Clairefontaine, which is the place where the, the players train, the, the kids that are really, really good go train. They have uh, resources and you know they, they help their own teams try to develop. And, and the same thing happens in most of the federations in Europe and honestly in the United States, even though sometimes things don't go well. Um, I I think in South America we're still holding on to the past a, a little bit. Like we are still rejecting I institutionality. I think we're rejecting we're, that. Yeah, I think we're lucky. I think we're lucky because you know if we didn't have good players, can you imagine yeah. the quality of football and stuff we will have? Yep, it would be horrible. I mean, we are lucky that the, you know, like a a, a kid. With no resources in a very poor location in the middle of nowhere, is taking the work to become a player. Yep. You know, under like the most adverse conditions. Yep. That's, I think we're lucky on that matter. But, but what is that also true, Sebas? Sorry, but yeah. what is also true is that you mentioned the golden age of Colombian football is now, and that's happened because there is some sort of organization going on, right? I mean, the federation, the Colombian federation. Is is stronger than it than it was in the past? I mean, is that true or no? That's a question for you because I don't know. Well, I think in Colombia the the federation is better in some way, but I think the in Colombia there there are two organizations. That one is um, like the the football the like the Colombian football federation, which is in charge of mostly the national team and the minor national teams you know like the u20 and stuff like that right they they are this is the corruption problem that is happening right now is happening with them yep mostly but on the other side we have the Di major which is in charge of the league the Di major has been really corrupt and many leaders it has been a political thing which is really sad mm, if you see the colombia the teams performing in you know, Copa Libertadores and Sudamericana, they perform very poorly because, you know, like, it's, it's, it's messy. And you can see that reflected in the league, you know, like, you know, our league is not very strong because of that, because it's very corrupt and we are not able to perform very well internationally, league-wise. Now, in the national team, we have been lucky to have this generation. Uh, I don't know if Falcado or happens or you know Arias or whoever like took the work I don't know if we will be there we were not there before because in the in from 2000 from 1998 until 2010 there was a Yarus it was we didn't do anything you know there was mm-hmm. nothing there were no good players so I mean in some way we, we are lucky to have these guys now but if we don't have the resources to invest in new ones coming and replacing them I don't know if it's gonna last that's what I think. Well, but, but for example, you guys also had Peckerman for a long time as a coach, which I think speaks to a level of organization 
that is kind of weird in South America because most coaches get fired if they lose two matches. Um, yeah. So it at least is some level of stability, I think, in the national team. Yeah, yeah, I mean... I think also it's money. You know, they realize if yeah. we are achieving results because we brought right. this guy, how are we going to, like, you know, like, let him go? Yep. <laughs> you know, like, he's... You, you cannot imagine how many like jerseys are be, are being sold with James and Adidas jerseys right. and you know like all this stuff so uh, I think if you're seeing more money coming in you know like there's no reason but they should have noticed that years ago and they should like worry to lose that you know and to lose that money maker yeah because uh, if Colombia doesn't achieve results eventually if we don't qualify to that World Cup or something we are we are people are not going to follow that you know like yeah I mean, I think it's time, honestly, to change everywhere all of this. You know, institutions need to be strong. The federations need to be strong. Uh, whomever it is in whichever country you're in that manages the youth programs and helps youth programs in clubs or whatever need to be strong institutions that are very transparent so everyone can be better. Um, I mean... I think that is part of the reason why we don't win World Cups. Latin America as a whole doesn't win World Cups because we are stuck in this mentality of the 90s or the 80s in which we can just be really, really good and not have a support system around us that help us. That does not cut it anymore. No, um, no, because the level of professionality right now worldwide is really intense. Like you see yeah. Ronaldo, exactly. the way he trained or the way Messi trained. You know, like, those are people that, you know, if you're competing in, like, or Mbappé, all these guys, these players are not, like, going out of, like, at night to play, like, to dance in a club and get drunk as they used to. You know, they're being professionals right now, worldwide. Yep. The level of competition is too high right now. Yeah, you're right. But, yeah, well, on a better note, I think we can move (laughs) on a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, we should. I mean, yeah, we, I mean... I just want to mention something, Edgar. I don't know if I told you, but I went to see the earthquakes against the Seattle Sounders. Oh, yeah. It was a, a very good experience for me. The MLS is very interesting because I went with my girlfriend and her mom and some of her coworkers. Wait, her mom was there too? Yeah, her mom was there too. Interesting. Yeah, Go she on. was coming to visit. She came to visit. But anyhow, we went there and... You know, it, it was exciting. I like it. You know, you, you know, it was a, it's a, the Ayala Stadium is really nice. It has a, a view to the airport, so it's like a, it's like it's a U-shaped stadium, and you know, and there is like a, it has like a view to the to the airport, so you see planes landing and taking off, and they have food trucks inside the stadium, so they. Oh, that's the, cool. The food options are amazing. Really good. Really good because we went to see. The San Francisco Giants, for example, and the, the food was terrible. You know, everything yeah. was fast food and stuff. Here you oh, had like man. Mexican tacos, mm-hmm. a bar- a Korean barbecue, a bunch oh, of stuff. Oh my God. Really good. That sounds really delicious. Good. Yeah. They had a really good bar as well to watch the game. It was a really good experience. I really enjoyed it. So it, it was funny because they told me, yeah, the, the level of, of football is not that good. You know, like I... These players don't play that well, like uh, like the, so, like somebody complained there in, in the group. And I told him, well, if you think about it, there are five people here, five players, who went to a World Cup just like a month ago. So, I mean, it's not that bad. I mean, I wish in Colombia we had players who play in the World Cup, you know, like there were, right. <laughs> there was Rui Diaz who played for, uh, in, uh, for Peru. 
uh, who is an idol in Peru. He plays really well. He played against France, the current champion. You know, and he was there in the World Cup. And we had, and there were three Panamanians, like Hernan Torres, I think, was there. And there was a Swedish guy who also went to the World Cup, so it's not bad. I think it was very enjoyable. It was really good. I, you know, I, I think what is very interesting about this is that you and I grew up where we grew up. And we tend to think that, you know, as South Americans, the product we saw on TV or even when we went to the stadium is better or was better. But I don't think that's true anymore. I think the MLS, and honestly, it's part of the institutionality we were talking about, right? Yeah, I has think so, yeah. It, has got its shit together and decided to invest in the sport to get good players to try to make it a profitable, good league. And I think they're succeeding. I mean, you know, you just... I mean, having five players that played the World Cup just a month ago is not a small feat. I think it's, it's remarkable that you can see that in you know in, in in your city yeah i mean and if you think about it it's a random match you know like there right. are teams that are like i i wish i had something we had something like that in colombia like players of that kind yeah um but yeah it was it was a good experience i recommend everybody who's listening to this like to go and watch games here and though like you know it's a good experience to go and watch have a drink you know that's something really good as well that here in the stadiums you can drink alcohol right you know, so you can Uber to the stadium, have some drinks with your friends, you know, watch a very good football team and go back home. You know, that's a good, yeah. good thing. Enjoy to yourself. Watch for the score a few goals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's not, not that expensive either, so it's really good experience, I guess. It's worth it for an afternoon. Yeah. So, yeah, besides that, well, soccer lately is kind of in a hiatus, or hiatus, I don't know how you pronounce that, but anyhow. Hiatus. Hi- hiatus, there you go. And right now in Europe, many players are moving in and out of teams. Definitely the Calcio, the Italian league, is getting super strong. I think it's because they're trying, you know, like Juventus bought Ronaldo. So I think the other teams are trying to improve that and, and improve their, their squads to see if they can compete against the Juventus, which is really strong right now. <laughs> so... I don't know, something that I saw interesting, Edgar, is that Javier Pastore and Justin Klubert. Klubert, Justin Klubert is a kid who is the son of Patrick Klubert. The, a legend. I'm sorry? Oh, he, he was a legend, a Dutch legend. Yeah, Dutch Played for legend. Barcelona, but Patrick Klubert. Yeah, really huge guy. Well, back in the time when the Netherlands was really, really big in soccer. Um, well, they both moved into Roma. So that's a good a good thing. That is remarkable. Yeah. It's it's that uh, Alison money. <laughs> yeah, I bet, right? Yeah, because <laughs> they paid for Pastore 25 million and for Justin like 17 million euros. So it's a lot I, I thought I thought Justin Cleaver was going to stay in Ajax and then move somewhere else because it, for the last few years I've heard that he is remar- I have not seen him play, but I have I had heard that he's remarkable. A remarkable player so I'm excited to see what uh, what's gonna happen I mean it seems like it's a it's a good Roma is is, is getting ready um, it's arming itself nicely um, we're also seeing um, Milan also um, I think they're in conversations to get Gonzalo Higuain I don't know if you heard about that Sebas 
Um, that no, but was, I kind of like intuited that Iwain was not going to stay in Juventus because of right, because Ronaldo's leaving. Ronaldo's there. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so no, he's not leaving. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, that, so that's good. That's gonna be great. I mean, Milan, Milan. Pro, that's probably why they don't want Baca back. You know, because I think <laughs> Baca is a, is in a, on a loan at Al Villarreal. And they were, you know, he's owned by Milan, but he's he's on a loan at Villarreal in Spain. And I think, you know, like the after the end of every season, they always say, okay, he was, they thought he was, he was gonna go back to Milan. But I think since they're bringing Inguain in, maybe they don't want him back. <laughs> they want something yeah. better for sure. I mean, it seems that he's staying at Villarreal as well, which you know, it's a good team. I think I think he'll be happy there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's getting better. Villarreal, Villarreal. I think some years ago, so like five years ago, it was really good. Do you remember yeah. that they had uh, Peregrini as a coach? Yeah, and they had also uh, Riquelme played there. If I'm not mistaken. Do you know who else played there? Martin Palermo played there. Oh, Martin Palermo as well. Yeah, I don't think he did well, but he played there. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I think also. Viera, the current goalkeeper of, of Junior in Barranquilla, he also played there for a time. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's really good. So I don't know. Have you heard any anything else about other people or transfers? Yep, I've heard that um, this right back from um, Barcelona is moving to uh, from where from Barcelona to Everton. Uh, which, Lucas which? Dick. Lucas Digne. Oh. Yeah, he. I don't think anyone remembers him. Um, I do because I play with Barcelona at FIFA. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, He's always there and I always tell him. Um, So, yeah, so he's moving to Everton, which, you know, I I, I don't know. I I think, I just think, I just thought it was interesting to mention it because he's been at Barcelona for, I think, two years and I think barely played at all. Um, So, I cannot believe he didn't move before. I think on the, you know, on... On paper, it sounds very weird to move from Barcelona to Everton. It it does, doesn't it? Like, oh, you really didn't do well here. Yeah, (laughs) so it's like lowering, like, your standards in a way. Yeah. Um, You know, I was going to mention this. Have you ever heard of this player, Brazilian player, called, uh, named Richarlison? No. No, no, no. He's, like, an attacker. I think he's a right forward or, like, a winger of some sort. And he played last season for Watford, and he was signed by Everton to um, to play there this season. And they played quite a bit of money, like $40 million for him. Um, he's not a bad player. I, I, I mean, I, I thought he was pretty good. Um, so, I, I, you know, I'm seeing some names coming to Everton, and it just seems like they're trying harder to, to be a better team. Uh, I think last season they signed, uh, what's his name, that guy from... Arsenal, uh, Theo Walcott. Um, oh. Yeah, so you know, they, I think they're trying to to get a little bit better. Um, you know, I, I you know I like the Premier League, so I really like to keep up with those teams. Yeah, well, I heard that Jerry Mina is. They're probably trying to, you know, but he is not going to play in Barcelona for sure. So apparently, there are talks that he might join uh, uh, Manchester United. But I don't know, Mourinho is also looking for Tony Cross and Jared Bell. 
And I don't think Real Madrid wants to sell those two right now because, you know, they're trying to make a new squad. Since Ronaldo is not there anymore, probably they, they want to keep these two players. So, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen there. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, especially for Tony Cross. I think maybe Jared Bale, because, you know, yeah. he's very fragile. He breaks, he plays like, <laughs> I have like a formula. I think he plays one match and then he breaks two <laughs> He's broken because he's made out of glass, and then he <laughs> comes back again, play another match, and then they su use super glue and he plays again. And you know, you he's know, not very consistent. I don't know why, but he's not consistent. Like his health is not very strong. Yeah. Like I don't know why. But I I like him. I mean, I think he he was a pretty good player. I mean, at Tottenham he was awesome. Real Madrid too. He had his like first few seasons, and I think the last season he didn't play much. Um, so I could he see was how really he could fast. Leave. Yeah, yeah, that's really fast. Yeah. Uh, one player that I think would be interesting to talk about uh, is uh, Ousmane Dembele, the French um, player that plays for Barcelona. Um, now that Malcolm joined uh, Barcelona, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that he has to leave because he's. I don't think he's going to have room to play in the starting 11. N not that he did last season. So. I expect at least to see him move some to see him move somewhere else, uh, but you know we will see. I guess in the next few weeks if that's gonna happen. Yeah. Well, also on another note, well, Arias is moving to Atletico Madrid, uh, which I'm very excited because Arias comes from a very difficult background. Like he had, a, well, he's a very tough player in Colombia. He's like a referent. Uh, he's a right... How you say that? Like right, uh, right, right back. Right back. Um, but he started his uh, professional career when he was 17. And he has played in Bogotá, in Equidad. That's where he started, even though he's from Medellín. Uh, his dad was shot when he was very young, when he was doing that transition. So he had a really tough life at the beginning. But he managed to, you know, put himself, you know, like be professional... And he succeeded in Equidad, and he later on moved to uh, Sporting de Lisboa, in which he played in the youth team and then eventually in the professional team. And then after two years there, from 2011 to 2013, he moved to PSV in Doen in Germany, in the Netherlands, sorry. And in, in a team in which he won three tournaments, three leagues. Uh, two shields, whatever you call it, and he was named the best player of the year this year. So he's moving to Atletico, and it's really good to have him there. I think it's going to be exciting. So everybody in Colombia is happy about this news. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. he he sounds amazing. I you know I'm just looking at the. Uh, I I really like Atletico Madrid this season. I think he's coming at the perfect time, um, joining Atletico Madrid. Uh, in a good time. I mean, they bought they brought this player, Thomas Limor, uh -huh. um, who was a French player, played for Monaco, um, and him. They have um, a they got a Dan from Betis, and of course they have their already a really strong team uh, with Griezmann and Koke and you know the rest of the midfield and the Uruguayan defenders, uh, Oblak. So. It's it's gonna be an interesting season for them. I think he comes at the perfect time. I I can see them for sure fighting for the uh, La Liga title this season. Yeah, 
I also think that he he's a good fit because you know I mean, it's gonna be good for him because I think how the uh, how uh, Simeone plays is very defensive in sometimes like he depends a lot on his defenders to play mm-hmm. and I think is he's gonna you know a lot of uh, effort is gonna be is gonna be required right. from him so he's gonna be good for him to be he's gonna be like a very top level as a defense yep so I think it's gonna be good yep and his his competition doesn't seem his competition is Juan Fran oh yeah who's a little old already yeah probably that's why they're bringing him in to maybe like, like replace this yeah. guy right so my, my point being that he definitely has a chance to play so that's that's a, that's awesome I mean that's amazing for him yeah um, I, I yeah this is the thing about it, team I really like I think they could do really good things this season I'm excited for the yeah. league to start it's funny because the Atletico Madrid, they have they have always had for a long time a Colombian playing there. So right. for a time, they, yeah, for a time there Amaranto. was uh, Amaranto Perea. <laughs> Amaranto Perea, come on. Well, and then they had uh, Falcao played there for a time, and now Arias and also Maturada was coach of of Atletico for a time back and in the nineties. Really, he did really well, right? No, he didn't. No, no, no. no. <laughs> no. He's like the Colombian Bielsa. And he didn't do very well. Yeah. You know, he. I think, like the he put the team in like the last place or in the one of the. So like, they got they got relegated. Yeah, they, because of Matura, they got relegated. Yeah, it was very sad. Ouch. Yeah. That sucks. That sucks. Yeah. I don't know, but for Latin American coaches thinking about succeeding in in europe is is tough you know like yeah, for uh, sure uh, atletico i was thinking they brought also uh, you remember they brought carlos bianchi once yeah and carlos bianchi for those who don't know he won literally everything yep literally everything with boca juniors Li- and, meaning and Vélez. and Vélez. he started as a player in Vélez. he became coach as Be- at Vélez. I think how, what did he win with Vélez like a league the, the league yeah the league then he moved to Boca Juniors in which he won I think four leagues yep. yeah and the, and the Libertadores uh, the Libertadores also like four times yeah a few times for sure a few times he also uh, and he played against Real Madrid in the Super Cup and they against won. Milan and they won the Copa Intercontinental which is the, the what, pre- World Cup the, co- the yeah it was the World Cup the World Cup World Cup now it's a World World Cup and they include other continents before it was played only in between European champion and the South American champion yep. right now they try to be more inclusive and they won that considering that Real Madrid had the Galacticos of that time so right. you know the Zidane and stuff yeah that I mean so yeah he didn't do well there yeah, I mean, honestly, being a coach, no matter where you're from, is really hard because it's more likely you're going to lose than you're going to win, right? Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think the few really successful ones that come to mind recently are, I mean, Pellegrini, to begin with. Yeah, really successful, yeah. Yeah, sure. uh, Simeone, of course. Simeone. <laughs> We're talking about, this is like the Atlético Madrid episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, who else? I think Hector Cooper did an okay job, more or less like okay, decent when he was in a, I think he was in the Inter, in Inter Milan. You know, did you know that Sergio Marcarian, a Uruguayan coach, 
coached in in Greece. Peruvian, yeah, that from Uruguay. Yeah, from Uruguay. Yeah. yeah. He coached. He coached Greece. Oh no, he coached the Faroe Islands too. I think. No, Greece. Greece. He coached. <laughs> Faroe Greece. No, he coached. He coached Greece. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he he did really badly, and he was fired after like ten games or something. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was pretty bad. He did not do very well. I think yeah. the reason I remember the Faroe Islands is because they lost. He lost against the Faroe Islands when he was coaching Greece, and they fired him after that. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Bielsa also did a kind of a good job when he was in Atletico uh, de Bilbao. Yeah. That's yeah. true. That's true. I forgot about that. That's true. Yeah. So, but, but it's very few, actually, not that many. You know. You know who else we're forgetting? Vanderlei Luxemburgo. Vanderlei <laughs> Luxemburgo. <laughs> he was a uh, Real Madrid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he lasted a season or something. Oh yeah. my God! And of course, the last one because we're going to stop here with with this, which by the way has been really fun. Um, El Tata Martino. El Tata current Martin. coach of current coach of Atlanta United, coached Barcelona for one season. Um, and then I think he won the league, though, right? Yeah, he definitely won something. I, I think he that. won something, but he was let go because apparently it was not enough. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, he was a good coach, actually. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I like him. Yeah, yeah. But that's interesting. Well, on that note, I think. Do you have anything else you want to discuss, Edgar? <laughs> um, well, there was one last thing that I wanted to mention is that even for for some Peruvian players. Uh, tr transfers haven't been great and we finally got a little one that was nice to see at least which is um, uh, Luis Advincula moving to to Rayito Vallecano uh, to play there for th this season um, yeah. I think he's going to do great he's an awesome player um, and I think he you know, hopefully will get to start most games and show what he's made of because he, uh, again, he, he's a pretty awesome right back and he did extremely well during the World Cup um, yeah, they said that he was the fastest like yeah. Usain Bolt kind of yeah. like. <laughs> I mean honestly yeah Yeah. so so I'm I'm excited to see that I, I'm a little sad that I don't see many more players abroad I'm sad that Carrillo is no longer playing in England um, and he's playing in Saudi Arabia now um, but you know it, it is what it is I guess yeah well I don't know. It was a. It is interesting to see. Oh, the. Why do you remember that we were talking also about this Peruvian player who is moving to Werder Bremen again and he's forty? I don't want to talk about that. Are you asking? <laughs> no, no, we should. <laughs> we should. Yeah. So after everything that happened, you know, Claudio Pizarro is coming back to Werder Bremen, and he okay. will be. After, and during this transfer season, he will be the Peruvian player playing for the best, like, team. Uh, out there, um, so there's no other Peruvian player playing for for a better team uh, in Europe, at least. So we, you know, it's kind of sad. I mean, but but just because of that. But um, you know, of course, Pizarro deserves it. He has had an incredible career in Europe, and you know, he doesn't deserve. I I don't think, even though I don't like him, I did not like him for the national team. I don't think his career deserves him you know, retiring as a professional, going to, to the second division, right? Re being relegated. Uh, I think he does deserve uh, ending um, his career in, in, in a great team where he did really well. Uh, he won things, so... I think, if I'm not mistaken, 
he has been the Latin American who has been the most successful in the Bundesliga by far. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And for he's sure. incredible because he was so good in Werder Bremen, in Chelsea, and in, well, not in Chelsea, not so much, but he was in Chelsea and in Bayern Munich. And yet in the Peruvian team, he was not, he didn't shine as much. Kind of sad to see that. But okay, well, I think that concludes our episodes today or today's episode. I just want to thank you all for following us on our social media. It has been a great hit. We are very happy to see the results. Uh, we achieve almost 1500 likes and followers on Facebook. And uh, we have noticed also we have listeners from all over the world, from Australia, from the United Kingdom, from the United States. So we are very glad about seeing these results. We are trying to do our best to improve the material that we talk here, to bring you the latest things that are happening, the latest news. Uh, but also feel free to send us a message if you want us to talk about something in particular or you would like to, you know, you want us to uh, briefly improve something, please let us know. Yep, yep. I just want to echo that, Sebas. I think it's really exciting to see. And, you know, again, thank you everyone for following us. And I think that's that's it for today.